Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm your host, John Ledyard, along with my esteemed boss and colleague, Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some Bucks Packers, John. Let's I am too. It, it feels like even though we've had like, I mean, the whole thing is, like, it's been fun matchups period for the Bucks. Yep. I mean, we're figuring out a new Bucks team and I think that's exciting for everybody, but there's something special about this one, Scott. Like, I mean, yeah. we have a, we have a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, a rivalry going here, uh, maybe being established in the NFC, at least for the next couple seasons, similar to how we talked about week one. But I think in week one, the Bucks were really still figuring out who they are. And now there's kind of a team that I think is establishing themselves a little bit more. I know the last time out wasn't a great one, but um, now they're meeting up with maybe the best team in the NFL right now in Green yeah. Bay. And so what a litmus test to be able to kind of for us to be able to figure out how good can this Bucks team really be? Are they, is this a team they can compete against? Are they going to get crushed? Are they going to win? Um, yeah. And can you imagine, you know, the energy surrounding a win? And so this is the most fun preview piece I think that we've had, to, we've been able to do to be able to break down this game. Well, and two, the interesting thing is, is you'd like to think, well, the Buccaneers are well rested. They had a little bit of a mini bye week because they played Thursday night, but really no advantage because the Packers did have a bye week yeah. on, <laughs> on last Sunday. So both of these teams will come uh, healed up refreshed, prepared, ready for, for battle here. And, uh, and really for the Buccaneers, um, you know, I'm not going to jump into my prediction just yet. We'll save that for the end of the show. But the one thing I will say is uh, if I go back to my original game by game predictions, I did yeah. have the Buccaneers at three and two at this point in time right. with, with every game picked correctly. Now I, right. I will admit, I, I thought the Bucks were going to win. And I said, so in the, the preview and predictions before that game, but I, I do believe that that the Packers, I think, are, are going to drop the Bucks to three and three. But fear not, Buccaneer fans. I, I still have this team charted for ten right. and six, and I think they'll rate the ship. It's just that listen, th this is a really good Packers team. That's right. <laughs> There's no smoke and mirrors there. They're they're a good team. But yeah, they they beat the Falcons, and and uh, you know the, the Falcons are zero and five, and and uh, and have Raheem Morris at, at the the helm now. Right. But uh, I, I think this is going to be a really good test. And if the Buccaneers can, can steal a win here, even though it's at home, right? we're using the term steal a win because mm -hmm. the Packers are, are the better team. Right. Um, and if you, if you go back and look, at, well, I'm just saying, if you go back and look right. at Aaron Rodgers, uh, his last four games with the Buccaneers, the Bucs have actually had some success against Aaron Rodgers here in Tampa. So let's... Let's go all the way back to John Gruden's final season, 2008. The John Gruden, Monty Kiffin team beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers 30-21 to at Ray J. Aaron Rodgers had one of his worst days as, as an NFL quarterback. He completed 14-27 passes, 165 yards. That's it. Two yeah. touchdowns and three interceptions. He was sacked three times. Now, believe it or not, the next year, the next year, Raheem Morris, Josh Freeman, Tanar Jackson, the old Buccaneers wearing their creamsicles. That was a throwback game. Josh Freeman got his first win as, as an NFL quarterback that day. That was Freeman's rookie season in 2009. And, John, uh, they only won three games that year, but one of them was against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. How'd they do it? Well, they held Rodgers to less than 50% completion percentage, 17 of 35. That's a 48.5% completion percentage, 266 yards. And again, here's the magic numbers, two touchdowns, three mm -hmm. interceptions, and that Raheem Morris defense got to Aaron Rodgers six times, six sacks in that game. 
Now, good luck Rogers, with that this week. <laughs> well, exactly. And we're going to preview that in, in a second. The last two games have been all Rodgers. Um, he beat the Buccaneers up in Green Bay by a score of 35 26 in 2011 and completed 67% of his passes, 299 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, only two sacks. And then he, he was triumphant in his last game at Ray J. That was a 20 to 3 win. In uh, in 2014 against Lovey Smith's Buccaneers, who surprise that was surprise, the most dominant one, yeah, yeah, surprise that surprise, only sacked him one time, didn't pick him off, right? That was that's where you could throw slants all day long against Lovey mm. Smith. Buccaneer fans remember that. And guess what? Shocker! Aaron Rodgers completed 77 percent of his passes for 318 yards. He was 30 of 41. So, what do, what do those statistics tell me? John, yeah. when um, when when you play Aaron Rodgers, if you're going to have a chance of beating him in the Packers, you need to pressure him, sack him, and you got to pick him off. And the, John, that has not been easy this year. Right? Oh man, it's not been easy at all. Nobody's done it this year, and they've only sacked him three times. Nobody's picked him off. Packers don't have a single turnover. Uh, they're third best in the league in penalties. I mean, this is the anti-Bucks. In a lot of ways, they have not beaten themselves really at any point in any game this season. Um, and because of that, they're undefeated. And it's one of the big yeah. reasons why this offense is so hard to stop right now. Packers near top of the league in every category. They run the ball incredibly well. They throw the ball incredibly well. They're efficient. They convert third downs. I mean, there's really not anything that they don't do well offensively right now. And they've done most of it without Devontae Adams. So uh, it's a huge task for the Bucks defense. Coming off two games where I don't think they played to their level for sure, the level that they a standard that they've set for themselves. Right. Now I have to do it without Vita Vea. So yeah. that's all the bad news. The good news is I think that in the question of can Rogers be stopped, I think the answer is yes. I think that the the solution is a lot harder to come by. But I do think that having Carlton Davis healthy and he didn't practice uh, on Wednesday, and so that's critical, that's critical. Uh, right? Because they need him to be able to match up with Devontae Adams. I think he'll be asked to do it, and I think he'll do a good job of it. Um, the, and then the, the rest of the equation is, can they take away the other weapons? Alan Lazard is hurt. That's a big plus for the Bucs uh, yeah. because they he's been a really established player that makes tough catches down the field that Rodgers loves and has raved about. So now it's guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling who has struggled and definitely not found consistency and other guys that have to step up and make plays. Robert Tanyan, the tight end, has done that. The Packers are extremely unique in their passing attack in that they will use their running backs on verticals out of the backfield yeah. a lot and even from the slot. I don't know if that sounds familiar at all to you, Scott, in terms of what we saw last week with David Montgomery yeah. catching a little flooper pass over on the outside. Right. And then and having uh, Cordell Patterson in the backfield yeah. on those wheel routes as well. And, exactly and right. The lesson learned, John, is no Shaq Barrett in coverage, right? We established that, did we not? We've established that. We've established no Jason Pierre-Paul in coverage. That would help yeah. a lot against these guys. But even when it's safety matchup, I mean, Whitehead has to be able to match up. Devin White has to be able to match up. Mike Davis beat Devin White uh, out of the backfield on a, a vertical release in week two, and that was something that Mike, that Devin White has got to get better and improve at his game. We're not worried about Levante David in coverage. He's right. probably the best coverage linebacker in the league, but Devin White's going to be in those situations where he's got to, he's going to play, have to make plays vertically in this game. Yeah. He has the speed to be able to do it. You have the awareness to see it and the technique to get in phase, turn, find the football, do those kinds of things. It's an opportunity for Devin White to have a huge game. He was geeked yes. about it. I mean, he talked to us the other day how excited. I mean, he's yeah. he's more excited for this. He's always excited, but he's excited for this game too. And his energy 
hopefully rubs off on the rest of the guys, but their defense always comes with that mentality. Right. It's about executing, and that's where sometimes they've struggled to do that against some of these vertical concepts with running backs, and the floor is going to test them in all sorts of ways they haven't seen before this season. Well, and the thing too with Devin White, and we talked to him on the conference call the other day, and and for those people out there that are saying, you know, where's Devin White been? Why haven't we seen the splash plays and the plays? He was literally a, a step away from a couple of sacks in Chicago, especially in the second half when when Bulls finally got some blitzes and, and they were putting a lot more pressure on Nick Foles. Foles wasn't sacked at all in the first half. He was sacked three times in the second and and hit seven times. And, and I think that, that you're right. It's It's not really been that Devin White hasn't, uh, been a playmaker. It's just that he's mm-hmm. been doing his job by covering his assignments. And sometimes yeah. when you when you do that, uh, the quarterback didn't go your way. You know, and and I, right. I think that going back to the old Tampa two Monty Kiffin defense, Shelton Quarles sometimes you didn't hear about him as the strong side linebacker in the old Tampa two defense. And part of the reason why was because he was erasing the the running back out of the backfield or the tight end, whoever Derek Brooks didn't have right. So. I think I think sometimes um, we, we look at the stat sheet and say, well, where's Devin White? Only had five or six tackles. But sometimes it's just the quarterbacks are not going his way in the passing game. And if you look at at, at guess what that that fifteen tackle performance he had in week mm-hmm. two against Carolina, uh, Teddy Bridgewater was was throwing to the backs a lot and the tight ends and yeah. uh, and, and the receivers that he was slotted up with. So right. that's why Devin White was more active in that game and, and I think the game plan they've already looked at it it's probably going to be a Devin White style ball game here on Sunday right and I think there are so many layers to stopping this Packers attack but we've seen a group that operates uh, is operated like I said without Devontae Adams and that's changed the way that they've done things and they found ways to adapt and find big plays down the field um, they use play action uh, you know this is a team that is versatile in their approach and they get great protection. And that's where I think it all, the whole thing starts with the Packers on offense is Aaron Rodgers has always been a guy that is capable of making big plays down the field and capable of making any throw, but he will pass up quick game stuff to look for yeah. a bigger play. He will have open first reads and he'll pass it up because he thinks he can get something else this season. He hasn't done that as much. Mm-hmm. And the big plays have still come when he's remained patient and it's worked for them. But at what point does the Rodgers from the last couple of years who pressed a lot and waited for those big plays come back up? I think one of the ways is to kind of frustrate him a little bit and be able to rob some of those underneath routes and, and do some th- and, and drop. I don't think it's a, I don't know that it's always going to be a blitz game, I guess is one way to say. I don't know that it's always going to be a blitz game. I think when you blitz him, he understands, okay, the ball's got to come out. Right. When he gets relaxed against, against four rushers and he feels like he's good protection, he starts to take his time. That can be a catch-22, but it's also when he makes – some mistakes too. So defending Rogers is not like one, like push this button and this is what's going to work. And this is what's going to happen. Um, but I do think one of the keys is going to be taking away, layering that, that short to intermediate part of the field with coverage and taking it away so that you're pushing him to go down the field. They have, they have, he has hit plays down the field, but they aren't necessarily super efficient at going down the right. field uh, this season. And he will chuck the ball down the field, even when they, even when it isn't there. And so I think it's forcing him to make those, lower degree there's higher degree of difficulty throws and catches forcing the offense to operate on those rather than letting them get comfortable down in distances where he's kind of it's hard to defend the sticks and defend deep in those situations so i think that might be one of the keys to it but getting pressure on him is still something you want to do 
And I think you have to be able to do it with four. You can't leave everybody in an island with Rogers' escapability and expect well, to be successful. You said escapability, John, and, I, and that's really a key term with him because something's got to give, right? The Buccaneers have been really good at getting to the quarterback this year. 17 sacks, that's fourth in the league right now. The Packers, guess what? They're the best at preventing sacks. They're tops in the league, only three sacks allowed. So something has to give. But I, I would say, based upon what Bruce Arians said and what we've heard from some of the defensive players, they are going to bring pressure. I asked Bruce that that flat out, how do you beat Aaron Rodgers? Well, you got to pressure him. And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the reasons why is he's so good at extending plays with his feet and working behind that line of scrimmage, not so much scrambling. He's not like Lamar Jackson or, or any, any of these mm-hmm. quarterbacks that are going to pick up yards, even like Mahomes. But Mahomes can beat you with a 20-yard run, but he also does his damage like Aaron Rodgers behind the line of scrimmage, working laterally in the pocket and getting outside the pocket. And and that is a big concern to me. Uh, the, the danger with rushing with four is, is allowing Rodgers, if you don't get home, to extend the play. That's where I have some concerns with these young cornerbacks. I like Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis and, and Jamel Dean for about three seconds, right? But once you get past that, I remember Raheem Morris or maybe it was Mike Tomlin, one of those those two brilliant defensive backs coaches the Bucks have had told me that uh, it's it's like half of a rodeo. Playing defensive back is half of a rodeo, right? A rodeo, you got to hang on for eight seconds. Mm. In pass coverage in the NFL, you got to hang on for four. Mm. After four seconds, all hell breaks loose, right? And and that's where Aaron Rodgers can can really get you because are you going to plaster that receiver for five six seconds? And if you don't. That's where the big play happens down the field. And Aaron Rodgers likes those big plays because they're big plays. And he's right. a big play quarterback. So that's where I've got some concerns with his young secondaries. I like what they do in press man. And I like their physicality. And I, I like how they cover for the first couple seconds. But these guys aren't veteran enough to hang with and stick with and plaster. A lot of times they have that, that clock that goes off in their heads too, just like a quarterback does, John. Mm. And when it's three seconds, four seconds, and they're still following a guy, yeah. right? They're still it's like, okay, the play's over, yeah. Well, they're looking around. They start looking right. around. What, what's happening? You know, is the quarterback taking off and running with it? Do I need to turn and tackle? And by the time they do that, they're in no man's land, and that re- receiver has gotten some separation, and that's where the big play happens. So yeah. I'm almost begging Todd Bowles to blitz the hell out of Aaron Rodgers just to prevent him from hanging on to the ball for four or five seconds and and waiting for the big play. I'd rather I'd rather him take a shot one on one and see hot. if he can throw over the top and 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 win that mm-hmm. way. I'd rather die quickly than slowly, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying if I'm gonna die. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because I oh I don't want to send six or seven all game. I do want to make sure the A gaps are pressured. I mean the 49ers yes. established I think an interesting blueprint for beating the, for beating the Packers and beating Aaron Rodgers last year. And I know this Packers offense is better at executing at a higher rate, but I still think you know their guards are a place that you can maybe win. Elton Jenkins is a good player, but Lucas Patrick's a player that had a rough game against Grady Jarrett. And I think if Ndamukong yeah. Sue can have, can have some success against him. Me, and, right. Yeah, you, you've got to be able to win in these A-gaps, I think. And I think Devin White blitzing is going to be a big part of that, force yes. the issue. And if you can get home with five, you know, I think you still got enough in coverage. So I don't, I'm not trying to send the house at Rodgers, but I am trying Agreed. to disrupt those A-gaps and, and get him. Because I think the thing with Rodgers is if he sees pressure in the A-gaps, 
he is a quarterback that likes to scramble and likes to get out. So he is going to look to get out. And if you have him contained, I think you can make him uncomfortable by, by hitting those a gaps hard. I think that's where Devin white's biggest impact in this game can Agreed. come. He's been great as a blitzer this season. And I think they need him to continue in that capacity and it takes him out of coverage too. So yes. that might be a good thing as well for, for all parties. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to contain Aaron Rodgers completely. And I don't know that you can completely stop this Packers. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the defense. Everybody wants to hear about how do you stop Aaron Rodgers? How do you slow down this passing attack? Packers are ranked this, this, and this. And the Bucs you know, couldn't stop Nick Foles late in the game. How is this going to work out for the Bucs? How can they possibly stop a Rodgers playing at an MVP level? And I don't know that you fully can. I want to right. talk about offensively what they can do. But first, I think, Scott, one of the things that you have to expect from this game is that you can almost go into the game betting that the Bucs are going to have to reach a certain amount of points in this game to be able to overcome this Packers offense. It's not like they're going to hold the Packers to zero points. You can bet on this game and you can bet that the Packers are going to score, in my opinion, at least 25, 26 points in this game. And the Bucs are going to have to overcome that. Might you be someone, Scott, this weekend that is laying down some bets over with our friends at my bookie? Uh, I will be. Um, I, I'm not going to go heavy like I did last week on the underdogs and the money line. <laughs> not trying I'm, to take a bath again. <laughs> I, I, exactly. I, I, I mean, I'm swinging for the fences this year. I'm either like hitting grand slams or, or I'm striking out. Last week was a bit of a strikeout. I only hit on one of my underdog money lines, and that was Kansas State. So that was a really good win. So I'll take that. But listen, Bucks fans, between the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch right now with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events. You can turn game day into payday at MyBookie. Now, if you're the type of guy who likes to bet the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. That's where I like to cash in on those money lines. They got a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that there's underdogs every Sunday, right? And mm. you always see some upsets. Every team has a chance to win on any given Sunday, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action. Start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie. And when you do, use the promo code Pewter to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to a 1000 bucks. It's a bonus that's designed to give you a little bit of extra help and a head start onto your winning season. That's promo code Pewter for your claim to the bonus that's going to make your initial deposit double. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Yeah, Scott, man. I mean, I think we talked about this game and we talked so much about the Bucks defense and what they can do. And I don't think it's for naught. It's not like the Bucs can't defend in this game and are hopelessly screwed to get, you know, give up 40 points or whatever in this game. But I do think this game is going to be won or lost on the offensive side of the football. The Bucs yeah. offense is ready for matchups like these. The Bucs defense, if they can just be in a year where nobody's playing good defense, if the Bucs defense can just be good, just be solid, just not be terrible, not get lit up every single drive, then I think they've got a chance if this offense can get out of their own way. I mean, penalties, Scott. Getting out of their own way. John, right. This, we talk about it every week, but the, the Buccaneers can, can, uh, they can conduct a masterclass. Uh, yeah. they can teach a masterclass on, on right. how to beat themselves. So right. yeah, I mean, at some point in time, at some point in time, the, the coaches, I, I believe they're, they're drilling this into the players' heads. I, I don't believe that the coaches have, have not 
um, stop talking about the, the mantra of stop beating yourself, guys. Mm-hmm. Stop with the penalties. Stop with the turnovers. I, I, it, it's got to be on the players. I mean, Bruce right. Arians, Todd right. Bowles, Byron Leftwich, they're not out there you know, making the mistakes. It's the players. And, and right. they've, they've got to do something. Uh, Greg DeCruz uh, is kind enough to chime in and say, what punishment would you dish out for players who continue to commit boneheaded penalties? That's well, the thing. You can't really punish. But like, this is the NFL. Like, what are you going to well, do? You, like, you, you have can. To- I talked about the penalty path. That's obviously not going to happen. That was After the season, you cut him. That, a la, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it yeah. might happen to Donovan Smith. That's how you punish sure. him. But You're right. But but what you can do is you can inst- you can institute some – some in-house fines. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it happens. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say which which Buccaneer teams, but there were some teams that had some fines, some fines for dropped interceptions, some fines yeah. for penalties. And I think that that's a great way of, 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 uh, of doing it in-house. And I don't know if it's been done that way in a while. Uh, it used to be done under certain regimes. But that that's a way to hold guys more accountable, and right, you know, but, they're getting paid, they're getting paid millions. Yeah. Losing a hundred dollars for a penalty, this that, and the other thing shouldn't mean anything to these guys. But it kind of does. It's a little bit more of a personal accountability thing. Right. And we've talked so much about penalties, and and you know, to be honest, I agree with you. It's it has to be a player thing. Like players. Yeah have to take responsibility and just do a better job. And so you hope that that happens. But to me, I come in every week saying, okay, don't beat yourself. That's the bottom line. That's always sure. the case. You know, don't commit turnovers. Don't commit penalties. Don't draw passes. And this is what can happen. Like I try, I try to focus on the variables that I can like understand. And one of those to me is like, don't waste time establishing the run. I just don't think, I know mm. they've run the ball well recently. And so it's going to be tempting, but even if you establish the run in this game, I, which I think is unlikely given the fact that the Packers run defense has been great. Kenny Clark is back in this lineup. Yeah. He is one of the best run stuffers in football. Um, he's probably in, he plays more versatile positions than Vea does. But if you were considering him just a nose, he and Vea would probably be in that same breath as the top true noses in the league. And so, I mean, he is one of those guys that changes the game, but even their depth, I mean, Kingsley Kiki has been great and Tyler Lancaster has been great. And they just have, I mean, Zedarius Smith is a beast against the run. Preston Smith is better against the run than he is is as a pass rusher. And I don't think getting Kenny Clark back is big for Green Bay. There's no doubt about it, but I don't think this is a team that's amazing rushing the passer either. I'm with you. Here's the thing. Uh, If Rojo runs the way he ran, against the Bears on Thursday, mm-hmm. averaging five and a half, six yards a, a clip, then then yeah. But but here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Byron Leftwich come out in 13 personnel, right? <laughs> in really yeah. predictable oh, right. type of run formations where they've got a bunch of these uh, tight ends stacked in there, uh, a lot of which a lot of those guys can't block. I mean, Anthony, our player, is not back yet. O.J. Howard's out for the season. So in my opinion, if you want to run the ball um, – go spread and give Rojo some lanes and, and spread out the Packers defense. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think, cause, and the reason I say that is because Rojo's vision this year has really improved. And I'm not talking about like LASIK, like James Winston had done. <laughs> in the He's just become a better football player, understanding his blocks. He's, this is year two in this blocking scheme. And he has a feel for, uh, for, you know, for how Ryan Jensen's going to, going to block and turn a guy and Alex Kappa. He's run behind these guys now. He's even run behind Tristan Wirfs for four games. Mm-hmm. So if you want to establish the run, by God, don't do it in a predictable run formation. <laughs> and don't do it on a predictable run down, which is first down. Throw the ball on first down and then run yeah. it on second and third if you have to. Right. 
It's interesting. But, but, but overall, I agree with you. They shouldn't yeah. come out with the traditional way they've tried to establish the run. Right. This isn't this isn't a game for that. I mean, I know it's like, oh, keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. No, try and score points. <laughs> try and yes. score points. And and You're that's the key. Them. Right. That's the key to me. I mean, I think this whole, you know, try and limit the drives that, well, you're going to limit the drives you have too. And you know, they're going to score some. So, I mean, if it's a shootout, it's a shootout, whatever. But I think you play aggressive on offense. You trust your defense to be able to make a play or two in this game. You recognize the score is not going to be six to zero or, you know, anything like that at the end of the game. It's not going to be a 17, not going to be like the bears game. And, uh, and you, I think you accept that at the end of the day, you trust that your defense is going to make the play. The Packers defense won't make Packers haven't created a lot of turnovers this year. Um, I don't think this is a super dynamic defense. They are weak in the middle of the field. I think you can beat them in the middle of the field. Their linebackers Mm -hmm. for years have struggled in coverage and Mike Pettin has not been one of the league's best defensive coordinators. I don't think they've played a great, I know they played the saints, but I don't think the saints are, they're a great scheme, and the Saints had success against them too, by the right. way. They're a great scheme, but I don't think they're necessarily a great dynamic offense with weapons like the like the Bucks have, especially with Michael Thomas out of that game. And sure. so uh, to me, I think that that is one of the keys in this game is the Bucks saying, recognizing we have great offenses. We can beat this defense. We have to go after this team. We have to attack them. I thought they came out aggressive against the Bears, and it was successful for the most part, and I think – if you look at their neutral situation pass rates that I was showing you guys this morning and that yeah. uh, they were just posted by Ben Baldwin over uh, at The Athletic, I think that one of the best things the Bucks have done is is throw a lot in neutral situations. I'm talking about first and second downs um, where 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 you're not – where your win probability is between 20 and 80%, like situations where it's generally up in the air whether you throw or you run – They've passed more often than they've run the ball, and I think it's been huge for them, and it's the reason why they found the offensive success that they've had. Now if the penalties and drops are cut out, I think this team can be a team that puts up 30 points every week and gives themselves a chance to win, and I think that they need to come out and establish that with a big passing attack. And to me, that starts with Brady. Like yeah. Brady's got a chance, Scott, to have a great day, I think. I, I you know, Not well, even just numbers-wise for sure, but this offense, is this game to me is on Brady's shoulders. Like If all his weapons back – he hasn't really had that. He hasn't had this, these guys. He hasn't had Chris Godwin hardly in the lineup at all since week yeah. one. And so we're anticipating I just Chris Godwin coming back. And you know, and and I think Mike Evans. Hopefully that at ankle is going to be better, and and uh, he's going to be yep. closer to a hundred percent. So Scotty too. Yeah, yeah, Scotty Miller. So I, I'm with you. At, they're going to need at least thirty points to beat the Packers because this team is averaging thirty eight points per game. Uh, they put. They put 43 up against Minnesota in week one, 42 the next week in, um, against uh, Detroit, 37 against the Saints, 30 against the Falcons. So if anything, the Packers, they're, they're, they're falling in terms of their point production from 43 to 42 to 37 to 30, but uh, they've not fallen behind uh, below 30 yet. So I think the Bucs were going to need 30 points or more to beat the Packers. I, I see this being a final score similar to – what we saw in that Bucks Chargers game, where it's going to have to be kind of a shootout type game, mm-hmm. and uh, and I agree. I think Brady's going to have to going to have to to have that type of caliber game, maybe not five touchdowns, but he's going to have to go off right. and and be the Tom Brady we saw him win the NFC Offensive Player of the Week award. It's going to have to be that tali- type of caliber performance, but he's going to have to have some help, John. He's going to have to have some help from from Byron Leftwich, and he's going to have to have mm-hmm. some help from Bruce Arians and the. He's going to need some better play calls all throughout the game. And listen, Byron's been great. I I, I got to give Byron Levwich props and credit yeah. for the first quarter. This team has come out 
every single yep. game on fire and with you know Bruce is, is famous for scripting the first 15 plays. I would recommend to Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians script the entire game because whatever you're doing in the first quarter with those 15 plays is working. So right. well, why not take the 15 and extend it to about 65 plays? Script the entire game mm -hmm. and just run off your script because it's working in the first half. Uh, where Bruce Arians needs to come in, John, we talked about Todd Bowles needing to be more aggressive and not have that off coverage, lack of pressure type of, of you know game plan that he had early on against the Bears, especially in the second quarter where Nick Foles got comfortable. And um, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul disagreed with me. He said he didn't get comfortable. Well, he did. <laughs> he got comfortable, and he threw up two touchdowns on the board. He didn't like that description. <laughs> he didn't, but it was it's a fact. He threw a touchdown right. pass, and the David uh, Montgomery bounced one in down there by the goal line. Um, but where Bruce Arians needs to match the aggressiveness from Todd Bowles is with his no-risk-it-no-biscuit style. We saw them go for it on a fourth and one earlier in the game. John, I I'm sticking to my guns. They should have gone for it on fourth and one, even though it was a long one, uh, mm -hmm. down there at the seven-yard line. Field goals don't win games. Field goals aren't going to win games against the Packers. You know when a field goal is going to win a game against the Packers? If it's tied up and you send Ryan Suck up out there with just a couple seconds left for a game-winning field goal at the end of the game, that's where yeah. you want the field goals to come in. You don't want them otherwise. This is a game where we talked about this. You're going to have to have 30 points or more. I want to see more no risk and no biscuit. That doesn't mean playing stupid, John. That doesn't mean going right. forward on fourth and four at the 11 or 12-yard line, but it means going forward on fourth and one at the seven-yard line. You need to stop anyway, anyways on defense, right? The game's not mm -hmm. over. Why not make the Bears go 93 yards for a touchdown or at least 60-some yards for a field goal Rather than what transpired, you know, and so I, I, I'm of the opinion I want to see this team go for broke a lot more and take some more chances. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, to me, I think that this is a team that has the chance to have success down the field in this game. I know the Packers haven't given up a ton of big plays this this year, but I think honestly, you look at some of the players who were out. I think with when they played Green Bay, I don't think Kenny Galladay was in for lines when they play. I don't think uh, Julio Jones was in uh, for most of that game. I know he was out of that game. Uh, and so there's been some guys that maybe could have contributed that weren't in that game. And I think the Bucks just have a great vertical attack. I think there were opportunities there against the Bears were hard to come by with Scotty and Mike both playing banged up. But I think for the most part, this is a team that has shown the larger sample size the season says they can win down the field. And they're going to have to in this game. I don't think there's any doubt about it. This is going to have to be a game where they can throw the ball down the field and have success. And so I think yeah, absolutely. That Scotty Miller can have a big big day. I mean, I think Kevin King and Jair Alexander are good corners, but both of them can bite on double moves. Both of them will yep. bite. Aggressive guys who like to play downhill, you can get them on double moves. You can. And Scotty Miller got uh, Jalen Johnson last week in the Bears game, and Brady didn't hit him. Brady hit through to Evans on that play. But you know, I think it was just uh, it's just one of those games where I feel like the Packers offense can break, or the or the Bucks offense can break out. I think they can have production from a number of different weapons. And I think in the middle of the field, having Chris Godwin back is so big. Packers don't defend the middle of the field that well. Their linebackers are, have not been great in coverage. Um, they use a group committee approach at linebacker and have for years, and I don't think it's been very successful for them. And so Brady being able to have a guy that finds zones and sits down and can make a few things that happen after the catch. And that's the other thing about Green Bay. They are, they are according to Pro Football Focus, it's like the only thing that they're bad at as offense or defense that they're really bad at, but they are the worst 
graded tackling team on Pro Football Focus. A lot of us saw demonstrations of that with the Alvin Kamara run on, on yeah. I think it was Sunday Night Football. And so I think this is a team that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they have the ability to to put up points in this game, to make things happen at all levels of the field. And um, I think it's an opportunity for a Bucks offense to get a win that somebody said in the comments would help their confidence tremendously moving forward. Yeah. It, you know what else is is uh, is going to help towards a win? Um, help Pewter Report get to a thousand YouTube subscribers. We're we're literally about a dozen or so away right now. So if you're watching this, go to if you're not watching it on YouTube, go to YouTube and watch it. But if you're if you're not, make sure you go to YouTube and type in Pewter Report TV and then hit subscribe. It's free to subscribe; it doesn't cost a thing. And that way, you'll get some notifications about when we're doing these. And John, we're going to have a more of a a regular schedule next week, just to tease that a little bit, but that's uh, true. But uh, you, you want to make sure to to stay tuned to to our YouTube channel to watch us on uh, on the Peter Report podcast. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes and all of those uh, mediums, or you can just hit the YouTube channel and and listen rather than watch us. Uh, but I wanted to to make sure to to get that that plug in. Um, any other plugs I should be getting in, John? Well, you know, there's our friends over at Briar Greaves Insurance, Scott, right. who we yes. want to make sure we let all our listeners and viewers know about our friends over at Briar Greaves and how they can get insured this year. Yeah. Now, John, it's a sunny day where you are. I can see that. Um, <laughs> it, it's also sunny here today. But as, as you probably know, Floridians, uh, that can change in a hurry. Storm season's still here, even though we're in the middle of October. It doesn't end until the end of this this month. So don't wait to review your insurance policies. Call Briar Greaves Insurance, which is family owned and has served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years for all of your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling and not renewing their policies. They're leaving Florida or they're increasing their premiums significantly. I told you guys about that the other day. I've been so swamped. I've not had time to call Briar Greaves yet, but I promise you by next week I will. I'm going to call Briar Greaves and speak either to Sam or Briar directly for that personal touch. And they've got the best rates from what I understand. So I'm going to call and find out if that's the case. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance, listen, they're big Buccaneer fans. So don't be surprised if they're asking you these questions about your insurance policies that they want to talk a little Bucks football. I don't think you guys would mind that, right? They're also, as you know, proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast here on pewterreport.com. So visit briargreavesinsurance.com. It's right down there, briargreavesinsurance.com. Or call 813-876-4166 today. That's 813-876-4166, Briar Greaves Insurance. Well, Scott, it's come to that point in the podcast where we need to go ahead and make our predictions for this game and say who we think is going to win. And you can find all our predictions from the whole Pewter Report staff you can find those over at pewterreport.com. We'll have those up what Friday morning, probably, right, Scott? Friday afternoon. Friday. Yeah, we'll, we'll afternoon. The- some yeah, give everybody a chance to get theirs in. But we'll have our Pewter Report uh, roundtable predictions uh, and thoughts on this game and how it's going to uh, proceed, um, which will be fun. And we'll have a podcast yeah. also uh, coming later this week too, uh, where we'll continue to talk. We'll have a guest on and talk more box Packers, um, and coming later this week. And so that'll be kind of a, a fun thing that we're looking forward to doing as well. And looking to hopefully have more guests on throughout the season as well. Um, yeah. so they all can tune in and, and listen to some other people's opinions on this team and, and where they're headed outside of, of Scott and I. And so fun stuff to look forward to, but we got to give our predictions. Now we don't have the luxury of waiting Scott until Friday, like, 
like Mark and Taylor and, and Matt do. We've got to give ours yeah. now. And so I'll let you go first and tell okay. us what you think is going to happen in this Packers-Bucks game. All right, yeah. So I'll, you can get more in-depth preview information in my SRS Fab Five where I talk about the four matchups to watch. Uh, the one I'm really keying in on, the one I think that, that John touched on it, that they got to win is uh, is that that guard uh, position. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've got to – Ndamukong Sue and and Will Golston they've they've really got to come to play and help out Nacho in the middle. Um, so you can find out more about what I think about the Bucks Packers game in the Fab Five and also in the predictions the pu- the pewter preview and predictions I should say which will come out Friday afternoon. So we've talked a lot about what needs to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I think the Buccaneers they got a chance to win, but it's going to be close. But I think the Packers do win this. I think the Bucs are still trying to find themselves. And I'm not convinced yet that this team can play a near-perfect game. And against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who are perfect, and Aaron Rodgers so far, with 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, only been sacked three times, is playing about as near-perfect as, as you can get. So I don't think the Bucs are quite there yet. I think that they, they make some strides in, in a lot of areas this game. They keep it close. And this could be a rematch we see, John when it comes to playoff time between these two teams. But I think right now the Packers are just the better, more disciplined, more polished team, and they're going to prevail 31-27 here at Ray J. But as I as I said, Bucks will fall to 3-3. Three and three. Don't panic. There's still plenty of time for this team to rally and even yeah. get to 10 wins, maybe even win the division, John, and still make the playoffs. But this this is going to be a, a, another tough one, I think, for the Bucs. I've gone back and forth on this game, Scott. And you know, before the year, I said they would lose to the Packers. And I thought yes. I thought they'd be four and one at this point. Um, and they should be four and one, but I thought they'd be four and one at this point. Yeah. And um I think the Bucs are gonna win. I, I don't okay. know. It's crazy. I mean, I it's crazy, I know, but What's I think the Bucs are gonna John? win. And I think the Packers might legitimately be the best team in football, but I think this week the Bucs win. I think by the end of the season, Bucs are in that conversation with Green Bay if they if they can cut out beating themselves, you know, I know it's a big yeah. if I know everybody in Tampa Bay said, we've been talking about that for years. True. We also have not had as talented a team as this team in the time that you've been saying that this is a different caliber talent team. And I think that that wins out eventually. I think the leadership there wins out eventually as they develop better habits moving forward. Having said that this game, I think, I think green Bay is the worst defense. And I think the bucks offense comes to life and the way that we've wanted them to, all season and they put it together against yes in their toughest matchup of the season i think that focus is there that intensity is there um and i think they come out in that game and i think that they they get this done i think that this is a team they can hit big plays down the field on this team i think i think they can run the ball enough to be able to stay in good down and distances and i think brady's built for these kinds of matchups he's built to not be close in these kind of games but to win them um and if the rest of his guys give him a chance if the offensive line gives him a chance which for drives in the second half they didn't against chicago if his receivers who are now healthy which hasn't been the case most of the season catch the ball which also hasn't been the case most of the season if those things happen, I think he's the guy that can win you this game. It's about the rest of the pieces coming together um, to me, in my opinion. And so that is what I'm looking for this Bucks offense, offense to do. And then defensively, I think this is a team that, you know, is going to probably give up points and they're going to give up plays, but I think they're going to battle back. I think they're going to hold the Packers to a couple field goals. Um, and I think that's going to be a difference in the game. The yards might not be great at the end of the game, but I think the difference is going to be who, who, how the play in the red zone unfolds and, 
other than last week where the Bucks had to settle a little bit. Again, I think it was drops and, and penalties in this yeah. sack by Donovan Smith before Brady could even turn around. It was those kind of mistakes in that area. I don't think that's going to happen every single week for the Bucks. I think sustainably this team has a good, good winning formula in the red zone with one of the best red zone quarterbacks of all time. I think that's going to matter. And if the Packers have struggled you know in what, one John? area, they're like last in the league at, at one yard out from the end zone. I was the only negative <laughs> stat I saw on them. They're bad in that area of the field. And so in the easiest and area he, of the field. So I think you know the Bucs win that area. Green, Green Bay doesn't – they don't have Nick Foles at quarterback. I mean, Nick Foles is is the Tom Brady kryptonite. It's only just Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, right? So – so the storylines crack me up. Nick yeah, Foles beats Tom. <laughs> Nick Foles didn't play against Tom Brady. What? <laughs> I love that storyline. So what's your score, John? High scoring, My, low scoring. What you got? Oh, high scoring, high scoring. Yes, I think it's going to be thirty-four to thirty-one. The Bucks win on a field goal. They finally put together the two-minute offense that has been terrible this season. I think they put together the two-minute offense and they drive down the field and they win this game on a right. Ryan Suckham field goal. I think that's how it ends, Scott. Wow, I'm pumped boy. about it. Winning on what? a field goal, Buccaneer fans don't know what that means. Against maybe the best team in the NFL, it's gonna be a it's gonna be exactly. a day. Sunday's gonna be a day for Tampa Bay, in my opinion. Anyway, we'll see how it all uh, unfolds. But it's been fun stuff. Uh, well, like I said, we'll have another podcast dropping later this week. We'll let you guys know about that one. Times and details going to be with a guest, so we're trying to work with them. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. And so uh, looking forward to having that. Uh, we'll let you guys all know where, when, and where that one's gonna be, and, and make gonna sure. Drop. Make sure that you go to youtube.com and go mm -hmm. to Pewter Report TV and subscribe. Get us over a thousand and get us on to two thousand. Yeah. Let's keep this thing going. We're having a, a fun time doing it, and uh, and I'll be back on Sunday along with with Mark and and yourself, John, and we'll mm -hmm. wrap up the Bucks Packers game. So uh, uh, looking forward to it. this. This is this is a big game. It's not a primetime game, but it's it's a four twenty five. It, it's nationally though. It's yeah, it's it a national, national game of the so. week. So I mean. So I'll be able to see it here in Pennsylvania too. So yeah. I'm excited about that. I'm pumped about that. But yeah, so thank you all for subscribing. It's been awesome. Uh, we've been hundreds of subscriptions in the last week, 10 days or yes. so. And we're hoping to continue to add to that. And just a little sneak peek for what's coming Monday with our new podcast plan and layout and things like that. Going to have a few, going to be seeing a little bit more of us around these parts. So get yes. used to that. And uh, we'll keep uh, playing it as best we can uh, to give you some great content. So for Scott Reynolds and myself, John Ledyard, Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.